Hi, I'm Holly. (laughs) And I am Danielle. And this is the Spooky Hour. Hey, friends. Hi, Spookies. Hello. It is episode 32.2.0. I fucked that up already. It's Um, episode 32 version (laughs) 2.0. Yeah. There we go. Holly Because. (laughs) Um, So if you don't follow us on social media um you might not know but we did remove our last episode we did have someone from the all wine family reach out to us and ask us very kindly um and explained why but they asked us if we would consider removing i like amy Allwine's part in our episode and of course we obliged we yeah. are wholeheartedly gonna support this family and if they're still suffering with their grief as i as they i expect them to yeah um we are we don't want to add to that grief so we made the decision to take the episode down um i think that's all we're really going to talk about i mean we don't have much to say about it other than we think it's the right thing to do and we just have another episode for you guys that's all yeah there's no hard feelings um the person was very nice about it very lovely and it quite frankly was the right thing to do yeah um if if anyone ever asks us you know for personal reasons to remove it then absolutely we will uh but yeah just like danielle said um we never want to cause grief all of our episodes come from a place of curiosity we just like learning and stuff and we never intend to hurt anybody ever we're gonna have this episode this week we might have something special we're gonna try to figure something out to make up for the missing one yeah check check around maybe uh thursday maybe thursday maybe Maybe. Wednesday. i don't know you'll see these these might be hints i don't know yeah they might be (laughs) like really bad at being subtle (laughs) (laughs) just keep your eye out but I think I have a long one today. I have a long one. You have yeah. a long one today, so we're gonna jump into it. No, Buckle not a lot of banter heck today. Up. Yeah, because you guys, you, I'm just ready for it. I'm so excited. Let's go. So excited. Okay, today I. Oh, it's me. Hello. Hi, Danielle. Not hi, Danielle. <laughs> I am Danielle. <laughs> Hello. Oh yeah, uh, we usually say we're getting spooky when Danielle's gonna start. So I guess we're getting spooky now. Yeah, we're getting. <laughs> so spooky. now you know it's her. <laughs> yeah um so i'm gonna talk about the waverly hill sanatorium <gasps> i literally what was i scrolling today i just saw that and i was like "Ooh, i have to learn about this i've never heard of it before How- well here we go god damn danielle <laughs> this is my number one place i want to visit this is the my bucket list this is number really? one where one. is it it is in Louisville, kentucky okay i don't know what else is in kentucky but i'm sure we'll find something kentucky fried chicken that's ridiculous to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually fucking know. I'm just assuming. Uh, and chickens. Lots of chickens. That's all I can Lots of chickens. Yeah. Okay. So the way I'm going to do this, I'm going to give you some history. And then I'm going to get into what went on in these pla- this place. Well, it was multiple places at one point, but it is one building. Um, get into what happened. And then I'm going to talk about the spookies. And it's going to be a nice little flow, and we're just going to get creepy and fucking scary, and it's going to be great. I'm ready. I'm so ready. Okay. Um, The Waverly Hills Sanatorium, as I said, is in Louisville. Is it Louisville or Louisville? I think it's Louisville. Okay. I think it's Louis. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's in Kentucky. Okay, guys? That's where it is. Um, We're not good at words. We've been through this. (laughs) No, I'm terrible at it. I was on the phone with my dad today, and he also messed up on a word, and I was like, it was the easiest word in the world, and I'm like... That's exactly where I get it from. So, yeah. um, so it was a former tuberculosis hospital that opened its doors between 1910 to 1960, and it's said to be one of the most haunted places in the world. I believe it. 
It, I'm, it, I'm sold already. <laughs> yep, it definitely is. Um, so at this time, TB, which is tuberculosis, but I'm not going to keep saying that fucking massive word every single time. So TB. <laughs> Um, so it was a very, very, very serious concern and had been for many years prior to the opening of Waverly Hills. It was a fatal illness back then. Not as much, like, not as much was known about that disease. So, like, if you got it, you were dead. It was a death sentence. Um, TB is still considered a potentially serious disease, so it mainly affects your lungs. It is highly contagious and it is an airborne disease. Um, essentially this disease gets embedded into your lungs and will just destroy your lung tissue. Yeah. Um, I don't like how that sounded. (laughs) Yeah. It's like COVID. It's. (gasps) Oh my God. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it it can also embed itself into other parts of your body, including kidney, skin, reproductive system, bones, and I'm pretty sure your brain as well. Um, so it's really fucking serious. Today there is a treatment for TB and it will kill this disease and it like, is no longer a death sentence, but it's still around. You can still get it. Yeah. Even though it's not, it's very uncommon, it's still out there. Um, but they do have a treatment for it. But unless, you, like, again, if you have underlying health concerns, then it might be an issue. But, yeah. But back then, they had no idea what was going on with it. So, they everyone just died. Um, <laughs> that's it. Everyone Fuck. just died. Yeah. They're like, you Ooh. got TB, RIP. That's like... <laughs> tuberculosis catchphrase i did i did oh you're amazing um so the waverly hills was built to house people with tb when it first opened it was made to house only 40 to 50 patients but like safely um like i said back in the 1900s tb was extremely serious there was little to nothing known about this disease there was no treatments no medication no vaccine absolutely nothing people with tb were generally isolated from the public and put in an area where they were able to rest stay calm and have access to fresh air so waverly hills built was built like surrounded by woods and it's on top of a hill hence waverly hills (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah it was ideally it was um made to create this like serene like atmosphere to help these people recover from tv um so with kind of like how they do rehabs yeah pretty much they it's like a rehab for tv which didn't work um (laughs) so with the opening of this facility it was on the brink of the tv um becoming like an epidemic waverly hills was also already overcrowded of course and was way past their safety limit of 50 patients. Um, of course. So, yeah, of course. So an extension of the facility was built. It included four or five stories. It had um, separate rooms for each patient. It had sunrooms. It had labs. You name it, they had it. Um, this was in a new... Imp- in, this was... Wow. This new improved facility housed up to 400 patients. And it was officially completed construction in 1926. Can you imagine having to build a hospital just for TB patients? And that's how bad that was. Like, what if we I had to build even, a hospital now for just COVID? That. Yeah. Just TB. Yeah. Pe- just people with TB were here. That's it. And it was that big, too. Yeah. It's it's fuck, it's huge. Fucking yeah. pandemics, man. Right? Wait, was that considered a pandemic? Uh, epidemic. So, at this time, they had no idea, no idea that TB was airborne. But they knew it was extremely contagious, so they made the facility completely isolated to keep these patients away from the general public and try to, like, house this disease. Um, Waverly Hills was basically a self-contained community. It had its own post office, water treatment facility. They grew their own fruits and veggies, and they had their own animals, so cows, pigs, this chickens, etc. For meat. Yeah, it's basically its own little community. 
this, for... is, this is kind of cute <laughs> yeah without the like dying part i was like oh just wait it doesn't get very cute after this oh. yeah um so you're rolling this... me into a false sense of security <laughs> i am that's what i'm here for <laughs> <laughs> Um, so even the staff who worked there were isolated from the rest of the world as well. Everyone was basically stuck working, living, trying to survive there. There was also a children's pavilion that was built. It housed kids who were, like, sick with TB, but it also housed kids whose parents had TB. So their parents oh. were in the facility, but they didn't have it, and but they had nowhere else to go. So Aww. they kept these kids there as well. Yeah, it's really sad. Um so there was also a tunnel that connected to the base of the hill. So it went from the the hospital down to some train tracks, but it's like un- kind of somewhat like underground tunnel. Uh, and this was used so workers could haul supplies up the hill without too much like interaction. So on one side, it was like a flat like slope where they could have like drag like the cart up and down. And the other side of that tunnel was like stairs. The doctors at Waverly Hills tried to heal tb with and i quote peace and good vibes (laughs) i love that (laughs) um there was no treatment available so they thought like lots of rest fresh air sunlight and nutritious food would help like that's all they had to give these like holistic living (laughs) yeah no wonder so many people died yeah yeah um (laughs) so yeah um the doctors did get one thing right and (laughs) vaccines don't work (laughs) yeah get the fuck out of here holly (laughs) um so the doctors uh got one thing right and had said that their patient's mental health was just as important as their physical health Mm -hmm. so i guess they were on that ball pretty early so that's why they built this place surrounded by forest in hopes that like this fresh air would do them well and that their mental health would cure this tv i just i'm so scared for where it goes south because so far this place sounds like magical good like not perfect but like not not mean <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it sounds like a hippie convention yeah i would so run far it. i'm enjoying it yeah if it wasn't there was no tb i'd totally be there <laughs> so have you ever had a tb test no is that the one that leaves the scar no so oh. they so they stick like the needle and the fluid and they but they don't stick it in your arm they stick it under your skin so there's a bubble and then you go back in like three days and they test it and but then they do it again because they measure the size of it and that's how it determines if you have like tb ew it fucking so it's hurts like a, and like it's a itchy blister as fuck. yeah it's so itchy ew yeah it sucks i mean it's so good i'd get it 110 times just to prove i don't have tb because yeah TB's but fatal, that's especially in the gross. hospital yeah so yeah emma my sister has to get it she works in a hospital and she gets it all the time well not all, I say wow. all the time, like every year yeah um, so the Waverly Hills uh, served as the TB hospital until 1961. In the late 1930s, a treatment and antibiotic was discovered, and eventually with that treatment involving, it eventually treated and cured TB like successfully. I mean, not everyone was cured, but majority of the people were able to survive, and that was okay, and whatever. Um, it's just, it's absolutely crazy to think that this place closed down in 1961, because my dad was only one. My dad was born. Oh, wow. One years old. Yeah. It's, it's not that long ago. That's, no. It's nuts. Um, so with this treatment, patients got better, less people died. So this facility kind of became like obsolete, like they didn't really need it. The facility was then closed and completely cleaned. So it was um, like kind of like quarantined in a way and mm-hmm. completely cleaned, got rid of all that TB germs. Um, it was renovated and in 1962, it became the Woodhaven Medical Services, which was a geriatric facility. Um, 
the Woodhaven Medical Services was actually closed by the state only 19 years later in 1981. Ooh. It was closed by the state for violations and the mistreat- mistreatment of patients by the so state. So this is where it goes south. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, it was pretty brutal with TV. It's not like they, they didn't try these patients, but they did a lot of brutal things to these patients with TV yeah. to try to fix it because they had no idea what was going on. But, like, these people... And this this medical service facility was mainly used for elderly... The elderly that had dementia. Oh, okay. So it's just really sad. And fuck those people. I'm not, not the old people. The fucking the people that mistreated these people. I hate stories like that where you see the elderly being abused. Yeah. There was a particularly awful case this year in 2020 that like i cried it was awful i don't like it and it's just it's very uncomfortable and it's i don't want to talk about it um i don't Um, mean to laugh at you i laugh at you being uncomfortable (laughs) you're in pain (laughs) too bad um sorry This is gonna. This is what what I found really funny because I didn't know about this, but in my research I found it. So in 1996, Robert Alberhasky bought the property and he ran the Christ and Redeemer Foundation Inc. Oh. And he made a plan to construct the world's tallest statue of Jesus Christ. What the fuck? For what? <laughs> <laughs> they. It's, it, it, I'm not trying to laugh, but it's funny. They, <laughs> they wanted to put it on top of the building, and then they had a plan to convert the actual building into, like, an arts and, like, worship center. So the cost of the statue alone was $4 million. What the fuck? Yeah. And, the <laughs> and building, back then, too. Yeah. And the building to, like, convert it would be around 8 to $10 million. Oh, my God. This, this group was non-profit, so they were mainly donations. So they went out, they bought this property and were like, we're going to do this. Went out to all these churches and people and like did all the benefits and got all the money. And by December 1997, the plans fell through because they only got $3,000 donated. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they went to these churches and the churches were like, you guys are fucking crazy. Get out of here. Basically. Yeah. Like, there's so much better ways to use money like that. Like, not even knocking religion. I I hate big, excessive churches. There's a bunch being built in my town because, like, you can have your place of worship. Don't get me wrong. But, like, then do charity with your leftover money. Why do you need to make a fucking mansion with it? Yeah, and a huge statue of Jesus Christ for four million dollars. Yeah. You know what we can do with like $4 not even knocking religion. I I totally think you guys should have a place to worship. Don't of get course. me wrong, but of like course. maybe maybe downsize a little bit and not spread $4 the wealth. Million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> four million dollars. But anyways, they only got three thousand dollars donated. So That's that hilarious. plan fell through. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so the building is currently owned by Tina and Charles Mattingly. Correct me if I'm wrong because I did see something where like um a company bought it from them so i'm not sure if they're the current owners but they were the last owners i was able to find but i did find somewhere that suggested that it was bought out by them Mm -hmm. um but it's currently used as a tourist attraction they do ghost tours and stage like horror houses a horror not like a whorehouse like a horror house (laughs) i hate i every time i say it i'm like i said it wrong um and all the proceeds and benefits they hold is just to simply restore the building so i know they've like replaced all the windows they've redone the roof and stuff like that so it's like safe to be it's like still abandoned and walls are down and stuff but they it's they made it safe so they can do these tours yeah 
it's pretty fucking cool and i'm going there do you I know don't. like is their goal eventually to have it like fully restored and then like use it or is it strictly just entertainment at this point i, I think it's just entertainment at this point Interesting. yeah i think they want to keep it like restored to the point where um they just don't want because a lot of people try to buy it and just like tear it down like one guy wanted to build a prison and like people around there were like no mm. yeah and they i think they just kind of want to keep it as like a historic building but then they're using it as a way to get money which is smart yeah that's smart so self-sustaining um, yeah they're not building a fucking massive statue of jesus christ for four million dollars so <laughs> let's get into the crazy shit that went down so that's the history and where it started and where it is today um so as we know at this time there was again no treatment for tb um so basically all these patients at waverly were isolated from everyone to try to stop the spread and doctors treated them um basically like plants in hopes <laughs> sunlight would cure their tb <laughs> i love that right like i'm down for like shoving me into a forest and getting mentally sound but like yeah tb don't give a shit it's gonna kill there's, you there's a difference between like you know refreshing from a shitty week at work and having tuberculosis <laughs> yeah so they're like fresh air and sunlight is gonna cure your tb and then everyone just died um so because there was no cure at their time oh there was a lot of test treatments being done some weren't too bad but some were fucking horrific so and you're listening to the spooky hour so like we're gonna talk about <laughs> some gross shit so get be prepared um before i mention what well, before i mentioned um those sunrooms um so patients would be exposed to these artificial lights in this room so it's not like actual sunlight um but they made this like the sunlight hit the patient's chest and like their lungs um in hopes that the the sunlight the uv lights would They're like reptiles help. yeah and then they would also like wheel them to like the window and like <laughs> to the sunlight wall. yeah <laughs> but yeah so they had these actual like sunrooms just to do this in hopes that it would help yeah um they would also put like patients on the roof and open the porches as i said um or like wheel them to the window um of the ho- for like some sunlight and fresh air um, as they thought, like, fresh air played a part in curing TB. Um, so these patients would be wheeled up to the windows and, like, porches, no matter the season or weather. I saw this one picture, and there was, like, a line of them. And they're wheeled up to these open windows, and they're all bundled up in, like, hats and stuff like that. Because they look frozen, but, like, fresh air apparently is good. And so the patients would be, like, in chairs, again, in front of the window, any season, covered in snow, whatever. You got fresh air, you're good. <laughs> Um, I tried to find a photo of, someone said that there was a photo of this where they were all wheeled up to the window and they were just covered in snow. Um, so I tried to find the photo, but I didn't find it. Instead, I found a photo of someone, like, at the Waverly Hills in the snow with, like, a plush toy of Olaf, like, sitting on the ledge. (laughs) I fucking died. I was like, that's amazing. You would find that. (laughs) I would. Um, so now into some more of the gruesome test treatments oh so, boy yeah get ready balloons would be surgically implanted into the lungs and then filled with air so this would expand the lungs and they thought it would help oh. it didn't a lot of people died Plot twist <laughs> yeah a lot of people died just from that that surgery alone i yeah yeah doctors also removed patients muscles and ribs to allow the lungs to expand further and let more oxygen in which is not how that works just so everyone knows wow it obviously did not help um so apparently this surgery like procedure was used as a last resort so they were kind of like on the brink of dying 
but then they put them through the surgery and then they didn't survive the surgery yeah wow yeah <laughs> so remember that tunnel early that medicine is so wild it's to me like weird. that they thought that that would work and it's not even like they were they were intending to torture these people they're like i genuinely think this is gonna fix this yeah <laughs> they're like we're not gonna do anything medical we're just gonna shove a balloon in your fucking wow. chest and hope, hope it helps like whatever can you imagine like let's go to party city and get like another three <laughs> Like, oh, jeez, man, I'm going to do some TV surgery this weekend. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, so remember that tunnel I talked about? Yes. Okay. Well, that tunnel got turned into a body shoot. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so, so this tunnel is about 500 feet. Like I said, it has stairs on one side and then right beside it, it has like a, just a flat surface so they could like drag and like pull like carts up and down. Um, but the carts ended up being filled with dead bodies and the dead bodies would be lined up on that flat surface. Um, they had so many people die every single day that they ended up turning the tunnel into a place to hold the dead bodies because they started running out of room. Uh. Uh, yeah, this, <laughs> this tunnel led to the railroad tracks and they used sort of like a pulley system to bring the bodies oh my down God, to the train. Yeah yeah. Oh um, God, I'm picturing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they did all of this in secret. Because they didn't want patients to realize how many people were actually dying and oh. they didn't want it to affect their mental health. So they didn't want to, because they had so many people die in one day that they couldn't keep up with it. But they didn't want these people to be like, I'm just going to die. So there goes my mental health. Because they thought fresh air and sunlight and mental wow. health would help. Yeah. I mean, mental health is great, but fresh air sometimes But work. also like a little reality sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> that helps too. Um, so now the reports on how many deaths that happened in this facility varies a lot. Some say it's around 6,000, while others report up to 64,000. So now most of the hospital records were destroyed, so that's why um, the numbers are a little inaccurate. But the records they do have dating back to 1911 show about 6,000 deaths. So maybe not the 64,000, but 6,000 is a fucking lot. It's a staggering number from just TV. Um, some records are still around because those that were, um, those are the ones that were actually filed. So the ones that aren't filed, there's probably a shit ton more of them. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just crazy. 6,000 people die from TB. That's still a lot. That's like, that's one a hospital. shit ton of people. And that's one hospital. One. That's wild. Yeah. Um, so when the building, this is one of those episodes where we need like a YouTube channel. Cause I'm just sitting here with like my mouth open. Just like at one uh, point I said something and it got quiet and I thought you froze and I'm like, no, she's no, just shocked. I was just going. sitting here trying not to puke. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so now when the building reopened to be that Woodhaven medical services, this was used primarily to help with patients with dementia. Um, electroshock therapy was used in this facility and, the abuse of patients was just fucking horrible, and the conditions were fucking horrible. Um, as I said, the state shut it down in 1982 for the mistre- mistreatment. Um, I didn't really look too much into there because I didn't really want to, to be honest, because it's really sad. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can come up with our own conclusions on what happened there yeah. and what people went through in there. Um, I did also hear that um, during when it was a TB hospital that some patients they thought that the tb went to their brain so they would do shock therapy on them as well wow that's crazy shock shock therapy cures all and yet somehow nothing yeah it doesn't do anything um so now with all of this i'm pretty sure you can understand why it's haunted as fuck yes (laughs) 
Like all I knew things. it was going to go south somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's no ghosts here at all. Not one bit. Um, so let's talk about the ghosties that haunt this beautiful place. Let's do it. Um, so there is a room in the facility that is considered to be a death trap. This room is 502, which is located on the fifth floor. So there is a fifth floor. Huh. <laughs> I said I said four or five. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's five. Um, it's called the death trap because it seems to hold a lot of heavy energy and invites a lot of sadness. Um, a head nurse who worked there, um, she worked in 502. She hung herself in the room oh. um, from a light fixture. Yep. The legend has it is that she was depressed over an un- unwanted pregnancy. Um, another nurse who also worked in 502 jumped out the window. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And another version of that story is that she jumped off the roof, but her main room was 502. So we have two nurses that killed themselves while in this room. Um, and it's unsure why she committed suicide. Um, this room is very active. Some visitors have asked the nurse why she killed herself or why they killed themselves. And the responses on the recordings have been along the lines of, like, it's an accident. Or, <laughs> like, literally it was an accident. Like, I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos because there's not a lot of articles about it. So, it's more just, like, firsthand kind of stuff I was watching. Yeah. And someone literally asked, like, why do you kill yourself? And the only reply they got on the recording was accident. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, it's also noted that in this room, people have experienced being, like, really sad and distraught. And some people thought about, like, going to the roof and jumping off while in this room. I feel like there was, like, one original spirit or energy there that's, like, driving people to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? There's something very demonic that's going on in here. That, that's a good word for it. Demonic. Demonic. <laughs> um, so there is a child named Timmy in the building. Timmy. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or Timmy's in the well. <laughs> I can't stand you. That's Jimmer. so funny. Jimmer. What's that from? Why? Uh, South Park. Is it South Park? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was. I like that you say it and you don't know what it's from. You're like, what? Uh, I haven't watched South Park in a really long time. South Park was that one show my parents actually would never let me watch, so I'd wait till they go to bed and then watch it. Really? I'm surprised yeah. by that. So am I. Aliens yeah. are fine, but South Park, uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. Aliens and ghost movies and all that fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. But South Slash Park. Slasher flicks, them. totally cool. Yeah, that's totally fine um so timmy is said to be about six or seven years old and that's when he died in the hospital timmy is more of like a gentle spirit and he just wants to play a lot of visitors will bring a ball and ask like timmy to play um people have had the ball like they'll throw the ball and the ball will roll back to them oh yeah did buzzfeed unsolved go here uh yeah they did i'm pretty sure they did i didn't watch they brought a ball i remember watching something where someone had a ball yeah oh yeah that that's probably i didn't i know they went there i didn't watch it though <laughs> i'm pretty sure they bought they brought a ball if, if i'm remembering correctly yeah that's my favorite ghost show to watch and i know I've... it's not like a real ghost show but they're so fucking funny it is really funny i love we should try to do like a ghost hunt with them we should oh my god yeah let's just annoy them on twitter or something until until you guys listen to us and yeah let's go oh they've already been in waverly i guess let's just go back Let's go Let's play with Timmy. It. We'll go redo it all with us. <laughs> yeah, it'll be way more fun. <laughs> we'll just cry the whole time. It'll be great. <laughs> we end up hating it. Yeah. Um, some people like have placed the ball on the ground and asked Timmy to move it, and then the ball will just start moving. So that's kind. Of, I I'm gonna bring a ball when I go there. <laughs> There's also a little girl reported. Not much is known about her, but apparently she likes to play hide and seek. Um. Apparently, there is a spirit of an elderly lady who does roam the halls of the facility, 
It's unknown if she's part of like the TB history or part of like the geriatric, the geriatric yeah. facility. Um, but she is known to like make really bad moaning noises. Like she's in a lot of pain. Um, oh. Yeah. And people have heard chains. Like she's dragging oh. these chains behind her. Yeah. And people Jacob have. Jacob Marley. Who's Jacob Marley? From uh, that Christmas movie. Uh, oh. Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge. I was like, Jacob Marley. What the fuck is yeah. Jacob <laughs> What's the uh, movie called? A Christmas, a Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. A Christmas Carol. Yeah. I didn't even know that. That's so funny. There you go. My, my dad made us watch it every fucking Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't fix me, dad. <laughs> <laughs> he tried. Um, <laughs> So people have also reported seeing her as well. Um, her hands and feet are bleeding and chained, and she Ooh. runs away screaming when she's seen. That's terrifying. That Ooh, is I got a shiver. <laughs> yeah, I get. I she's probably from like the geriatric facility because I'm gonna assume. Yeah, yeah, they probably tied up their patients because they're assholes. Um, so the kitchen in the facility is obviously not in use. It's absolutely in shambles, but people have noted the smell of freshly baked bread while in the kitchen in the cafeteria. Yeah. A spirit is seen in the kitchen. It's a tall man dressed in white, kind of like he, like, is in a uniform, so he works there. Like a chef. Yeah. Um, but, (laughs) like, literally, or a baker. Chefs don't (laughs) bake bread. True. Baker. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but people hear like pots and pans being dropped. They hear footsteps, voices. It's a very active room in the facility. Um, visitors have also noticed shadow figures and these shadow figures will follow you around the facility. Some people say this shadow figure is demonic while others say it's just a very restless spirit who was subject to torture. Either way, if you see it, it's suggested you leave because it follows you. It's not friendly at all. Okay. Yep. Um, there is also a demonic spirit they called the Creeper. Original. Ah, I don't like it already. (laughs) Yeah. Um, who is also like the shadowy figure, but is seen scaling the ceiling and walls. It peeks around corners and will follow you around as well. People have said it's a very threatening figure and extremely unsettling, and it has been known to attack people. So if you go, beware. I don't like the name. Yeah, Creeper. I don't like it either. Um, People hear doors slamming shut and hear footsteps and disembodied voices. Orbs are caught on photos. Lots of, like, responses on EVPs, your usual ghosty stuff. Mm -hmm. Tour guides have been, have reported seeing doppelgangers. Oh. Yeah. They have said that they've seen a doppelganger of themselves in the building, or sometimes it'll be of someone that they know or a person that, like, they know that shouldn't be there. That's Um, weird. Yeah. They said that these doppelgangers are identical. And the only reason they know it's a spirit and something not of this world is because the eyes are completely black and it looks like they like literally have no eyes. I'm going to make another supernatural reference here. Oh, God. (laughs) There's an episode like that, isn't there? Where like. I think so. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. If I saw that, imagine having two Danielles in the world. That'd be terrible. I feel like you guys would become friends. We would. We definitely would, for sure. You'd be yeah. like, whoa, a more evil me? Yeah, whoa. <laughs> Girl, we need to talk. <laughs> Get on my level. <laughs> so last but not least, I'm going to talk about Mary Lee. 
Mary Lee went to the sanatorium as a healthy kid. She contracted TB while she was there. I'm not sure if her parents were there and she was like one of those kids that just had to like stay there because she had nowhere else to go. Yeah. Um, but she did end up dying from TB. Um, she has been said to be seen roaming the halls of the main building and she likes to peek through windows. Now, some people say Mary was actually the nurse who hung herself in 502. So there oh. are two stories. Yeah. But there is proof of a Mary Lee that was a patient at this hospital, and there is a photo of her. So I'm not sure which story is correct, but either way, she's haunting the halls. Uh, <laughs> in 2006, a paranormal investigator by the name of Tom Halstead, Stead? Halstead? Something. It was Tom. Tom. Um, Tom. <laughs> was in the building and just took a photo. The There is an apparition that appears in this photo. So the photo is him, like, looking down the hallway. So there's doors on the side and just straight down the hall. Um, The apparition in the photo is of a girl. It's crystal fucking clear. She is standing in between, like, in one of the doorways. Like, she's walking out of the doorway. And this apparition looks identical to the photo of Mary wow it when you see it it's i almost don't want to see it <laughs> we're gonna post it it's of spine chilling <laughs> it's so creepy should i look it up now or should i wait do it do mary okay Lee. okay 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 let's do it i'm scared images <gasps> yeah right oh i don't like that and it's like literally like it's uh, like probably one of the best ghost photos that's ever been captured yeah it's it's pretty freaking clear and it like the hair oh my god i don't like that yeah gross well not gross but just ugh. gross <laughs> but yeah that is the waverly hill sanatorium i dun, 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 dun. love it i love i know it sounds sick but i just find haunted hospitals to be the absolute creepiest yep i love them it's my on my not it's like the number one place if i can only go to like any haunted place it's gonna be that we need to, when we can travel again, like, actually map out a spooky road trip. We're going to take the spooky hour on the road. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like a spinoff. I love that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Our very own simple life. Yeah. Oh, fuck off, Holly. <laughs> I am the Paris. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, that was awesome, though. I, I'm, that's so funny that you picked that one. I literally saw something about it today, and I think it's just said something about, like, the most haunted hospital or something. I was like, huh, I should read about that. And then, obviously, I didn't have enough time to. So, yeah. thank you. So, I just read your mind. I knew you wanted to listen to it. So. You did. I did. Bestie moment. Yep. And with that, uh, we're getting it dark. This murder. is, uh, yeah. <laughs> murder again so i'm gonna talk to you guys today about the murder of heidi bernard bernard zakowski i literally watched a youtube video like four times to try to get the pronunciation right and i know i didn't get it that's the only time i'm saying her last name (laughs) what what, it starts with a b yeah it's burnout bernard zakowski i'm gonna call her heidi the rest of the time heidi um what's that heidi Heidi b B. uh it's like cardi b but oh god this is we can't is, make a cardi b joke here she, i got she, h she, for heidi <laughs> i got h for heidi what's that from when heidi from the hills got h boobs oh my god i figured it was a heidi from the hills moment <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious um also i love that we like 
like to preach that we're like emo kids and like we like dead things and we're all creep but we have just made a reference of the simple life and the hills yeah, back to did. back <laughs> we're multifaceted you guys we're um, hardcore emo and also i love paris hilton um that too i mean so i yeah, don't this- love paris hilton but i like her doll listen she's brilliant I, I don't hate her but i don't love I, I think she's brilliant i yeah We're, this is for another episode <laughs> so <laughs> this is another case with a whole bunch of twists and turns i've thoroughly been enjoying these cases i hope you guys are too um but make sure you're paying attention and buckle up so heidi was 24 years old just starting to thrive in her adult life she'd gotten a job working reception at some company um she just got her own apartment and one night while playing pool at the local bar she met the man of her dreams stephen cook Heidi and Stephen fell in love quickly, and the relationship progressed at hyperspeed, with the two moving in together within a few months and even taking out life insurance policies together, one on Stephen for $900,000 and one on Heidi for $700,000. He never got the chance to propose, but Stephen said marriage was definitely next for them. Uh, I like that they got life insurance before marriage. Right? Like, that's That's a hella commitment. Yeah. That being said... Carl and I are each other's beneficiaries. Yo, same. I mean. Because, <laughs> like, who the fuck else am I going to... You. You were my only other option. Um, um, on April 20th, 2000, um, Stephen dropped Heidi off at home after work and headed out to run some errands. When he returned home, his whole life had been turned upside down. He walked into a grisly scene, finding Heidi seemingly dead on the floor of their living room. She was sitting up with her back against the wall, and her throat had been cut. Um... <gasps> Well, that gave me shivers. I don't like that. Sorry. <laughs> I guess I won't include the crime scene photos. Um, oh my god, no. Nope, nope, nope. They, I, I saw them. They blur her face out, so you can't see the injury, but you could see it, the position she's in, because it's a it's weird the, position. I can picture it, but I don't want to see it. Sorry. It's, do you want me to keep describing it? Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, sometimes I forget that not everyone's as fucking gross as I am. Um, so there was also evidence that she was strangled before her throat had been cut. Uh, Stephen called 911 immediately. Uh, the call is available on YouTube for those who are interested in hearing it. Um, police on the scene noted some strange evidence right off the bat. First, the living room had no furniture in it, but the drawers had been ransacked as though someone, uh, like it was an attempted robbery. Uh, officers thought this was odd that someone would target a home with literally no furniture because no furniture would indicate a lower income household, which they were lower income despite the, the fucking life insurance amount they took out. Yeah. Um, so it's just weird that, uh, an intruder would select this home when it didn't look like there was anything really to steal. And it's also convenient that she died after taking life insurance out. Uh, yep. <laughs> never take a life insurance with someone you just met that's all i'm gonna say yeah and um the most blatant evidence that uh was alarming to police someone had taken heidi's lipstick and written and wrote number one above where her body was left so they thought immediately this meant she met she was one of many and they thought that they had a serial killer on their hands that's and they were sort of waiting for number two to show up for a little while mm-hmm. um there's a picture of that too i might post that it's just lipstick on a wall but it's like hashtag one that's so um, weird 
Police brought Stephen in for questioning and he cooperated. He had receipts showing that uh, he spent his evening running errands and was not home at the time of the attack. However, he did have some interesting information to share. Stephen had told officers that uh, they'd been having some trouble in their neighborhood recently and he believed that this is what could have led to Heidi's murder. Um, A few weeks before she was killed, Heidi had an interaction with a stranger that left her somewhat rattled. She was on the phone with a friend when there was a knock at her door. Heidi opened the door to find a man she had never seen before. Uh, He told Heidi that he was looking to start a neighborhood safety watch group, but she'd never seen him in the neighborhood before now, so she was highly suspicious of this. Uh, She noted his description for her friend and even drew a picture of his tattoo just in case. Smart ass woman. I actually love that she did that. I was going to say, that's actually brilliant. Um, so the day before her murder, Heidi found scratches on her back door around the lock area. Stephen noted that it looked like someone was trying to bust the lock to gain entry into their home. That night, Stephen went to his rental board and demanded new locks be installed for their safety. This request was documented by the rental board. Um, over the next few weeks, police interviewed over a hundred people hoping to catch a break. The closest they came to it was when they learned about a man named Terry Gilliam. Uh, Terry had worked with Stephen's sister at a local grocery store as a butcher. Police figured that since her her throat was slit, a butcher was a likely suspect because of their their work with knives. Uh, Their suspicions grew when they checked his time punch card at work. The cards were all, like, digitally created, so, like, a printer would, like, print out the timestamps. Okay. but for some reason, on the day of Heidi's murder, Terry's card was handwritten with several things scratched out. They arrested Terry on unrelated charges, but questioned him on the murder while they had him there. Ultimately, they were forced to let him go with not a whole lot of evidence to actually point at him being the killer, other than his time card looked weird that day. Um, Can you imagine being like arrested for murder because your time card was weird? <laughs> well, he was arrested for something else, apparently. I didn't see what, but while they were there, while he was there, they were like, so did you kill her <laughs> like and they're you, like no you, your time card is handwritten so we're thinking you did it you're a murderer um, i think they were just kind of grasping at straws because there was yeah. no suspect at that point and they were like whoa he works with knives and his time card's weird um <laughs> police work I don't, is so hard yeah so the years rolled on by, but no other names ever came up in the hunt for a suspect. After 11 long years, the case eventually grew cold. 11 in those years? 11, yeah. Holy 11 years. Wraps. So they had not found even a suspect in 11 years. Oh my God. Um, in those 11 years, DNA forensics uh, advanced and progressed, which allowed investigators to take one more stab at the case. Pun somewhat intended. Um, <laughs> back in 2000, crime scene investigators took clippings from Heidi's nails. At the time, there was not much to be done. The DNA was mixed, Heidi's own with an unknown source, so they couldn't nail down an exact match, but they had determined that the unknown source was, in fact, a male. This DNA was run through once again over a decade later, and they got a hit. That hit, however... A decade? Did- like, whoa, whoa, a decade? A decade. So this is this is eleven years later into the future. They reran the nail clippings. What year did she pass away? Two thousand. Whoa. So in two thousand, the year two thousand, they didn't have this technology. That's how like dated we're old, Danielle. <laughs> I'm so stressed out right now. <laughs> yeah, we're old. We're old. Um. So eleven years later, it's now two thousand and eleven. Uh, they reran her nail clippings and found a match. Um. The hit that they got, however, did not make anything any clearer to the, the, the investigators. The DNA matched a man named Alexander Bennett. 
who lived in Colorado and not Baltimore where the murder had occurred. So Sergeant Meyer, who was the lead on the case, called the local police in Colorado to see what he could find out about this Alexander character. Uh, Heidi's friends had provided the description of this neighborhood watch guy to the police. So Sergeant Meyer led with that description. The clerk said she wasn't sure if Alexander Bennett fit the description exactly, but he did have the exact tattoo that Heidi had drawn. Um, at this point, Sergeant Mayer flew to Colorado uh, to talk to Alexander Bennett himself. They were quite surprised by the man they met when they arrived. They were expecting like a hardened criminal gangster type, uh, but instead they were met by a well-put-together, clean-cut man. Uh, he tells officers that he's a trained opera singer and that he attended the Denver School of the Arts and received a scholarship to the prestigious Manhattan School of Music. So not at all who they thought they were going to meet when they went to Colorado. He sings opera. Um, he can't murder people. Exactly. <laughs> Um, his story got stranger the more officers questioned him. They noticed that he had an arrest out in Baltimore, but the report didn't have any information on it other than Alexander's name and birthday, um, which is really weird. So either someone deleted the information after the report had been made or the officer just never put any information into the report. So they didn't know why he was arrested, just that he got arrested in Baltimore. Someone fucked up. Um, exactly. Um, Alexander said that when he was in Maryland, he got abandoned by some friends. Uh, they were supposed to be going to a concert and, uh, they just got lost and he lived on the street for about a month around the time of Heidi's murder. Um, at some point he was stopped by an officer while trying to walk through the Baltimore Harbor tunnel. Um, and that's what it was. The officer was just kind of like, you're not supposed to be here. And that was the report. Um, so he got lost and instead of like taking a cab to an airport, he just lived on the street according to him it's like i'm not gonna go home i'm just gonna live here yeah it makes no sense to me um so they kept the the talk somewhat light like they didn't want to accuse him of anything they were just kind of like chit-chatting amongst themselves until uh they finally told alexander the real reasons why they flew out to colorado uh an exact uh a quote from the interview. I, I watched the interview. Uh, <laughs> quote, uh, the officer says, quote, this girl's fingernails were taken at the time of her death and under her finger, fingernails, under her fingernails is your DNA. Now there's no denying that. There's no getting around it. Are the exact words Sergeant Allen used. It wasn't a question, merely a statement that Alexander is getting fucked. And I <laughs> kind of love that. <laughs> um, Alexander came up with a strange explanation for this. Uh, he said that when he was in Maryland, he was at a bus stop one day and a girl came up and attacked him, scratching him on the face for no apparent reason. Now, this is unlikely, but actually totally possible. I worked downtown Toronto for two years and I was randomly attacked on the street more than once. Yeah. So... I'm going to say it's possible. Um, Detective Childs, who flew out to uh, Colorado with Sergeant Allen, showed Alexander photos of several women, hoping that he could pick out the woman from the bus stop. Heidi's photo was included in the mix. He pointed directly at Heidi and claimed she was the one who had attacked him. The interview was recorded and proceeds like this. I wanted to use direct quotes here so you can get an idea of just how slimy this Alexander guy sounds. Mm -hmm. So this is taken directly from the police interview. Quote, for you to have been in Baltimore at the exact time this occurs, for your DNA to be there, for this tattoo to be on your arm in the exact location that the victim describes and actually drew it. I mean, it's just a lot of coincidence, Detective Childs. That's a profound thing. So, you know, that's why I'm concerned. Alexander. You rightly should be. I'm concerned. Detective Child. Am I being charged with anything right now? Alexander. 
Uh, well, you're not charged with it right now, but I'm telling you things are not going good, the detective. And this is how Alexander responds. That's fine. I've given you all the explanation and I've told you everything. And, you know, like I said, if we're done here, I mean, I have a lot of stuff to do today. Oh, do you now? So busy. So, um, busy. so yeah, I wanted to direct quote that so you could hear just the like pompous pompousness. Is that a word? It is now. It is now. Um, <laughs> Fuck that guy. Unfortunately, unfortunately there was not enough solid evidence to charge alex at that exact moment i'm gonna call him alex now i got lazy taping out all like alexander and like literally the rest of the way down it just says alex <laughs> it works but uh before he left the interview alex mentions that his friend grant lewis would be a great character witness uh he claims that grant would prove that alexander simply could not have committed this murder a weird thing to say as you're walking out by the way call my friend like just really weird yeah um Grant Lewis was a longtime friend and associate of Alex Bennett's. Uh, three years after Heidi's murder, Alex and Grant were arrested for calling in a phony bomb scare at a Colorado courthouse. Want to know why they did it? Yeah. Um, so they thought that they could pin the bombing on Alex's roommate so that they could steal his car when he went away to prison. For a and car? he thought this guy would be a good character witness. <laughs> this guy that he like faked a bomb threat with is a good character witness. Oh my god, this is so messy. <laughs> um, so they brought Grant in for questioning, and he says he vaguely recalled the trip to Baltimore. At the start of the interview, he claimed nothing profound had happened. Investigators kept pushing for more. Finally, he cracked just a wee little bit. Um, in a taped interview, Grant says, quote, We were drinking down by the bridge, and he, he being Alex, said, I hurt someone bad. And I looked over at him and said, I don't want to know. He said, I think someone's dead. And then he said, I knifed someone. (laughs) This was enough evidence. The the worst character witness ever. Yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) This was enough evidence for police to arrest and charge Alex Bennett with the murder of Heidi Bernadzikowski. I know I said I wasn't going to say it again, but I did. You did Um, it very well. Thank you. Um, The trial begins two years later, and Grant Lewis is now the star witness for the prosecution. And yet another bizarre twist, Grant actually never ends up taking the stand. Um, Alex's attorney issues a statement saying that their client is ready to confess to everything. Um, Alex claims that his mother called him and said, quote, if you did this, you have to confess and God will forgive you. And he says that he felt compelled to, like, cleanse himself of his sins or whatever. Um so with Sergeant Allen and persecutors Glennon and Brult uh, watching from the other room, Detective Child sits down once again with Alex Bennett. Um, Alex openly speaks about the gruesome details of the night he murdered 24-year-old Heidi. Um, he says after he killed her, he tried to mislead cops by using Heidi's lipstick to write number one on the wall. He wanted them to think it was a bizarre serial killer case. Uh, he cleaned the apartment from as much evidence as he could. And uh, I'm just going to drop another direct quote. Uh, quote, after I had wiped everything down, I was making sure if she was alive. I didn't know. So that's when I had the knife to make sure she had died. I cut her throat. Oh, so he strangled her and then he thought- strangled her first and then wasn't sure if she was dead. So he went back and cut her throat just to be a hundred percent sure. Safe measure, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah. um, yeah so he also admitted to being the neighborhood watch guy. And he also admitted to trying to break into the house the day before the murder. Uh, investigators just had one more question for Alexander Bennett. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why did he kill this innocent woman in her own home all the way out in Baltimore? What could possibly have led him to this? He replied, quote, the plan of Baltimore just came up, you know, abruptly when Grant was discussing about receiving money to kill somebody. 
the same Grant Lewis who was supposed to be the persecution star witness. Alex claimed that his friend was not only involved, but that he was the mastermind of their murder for hire plot. Uh, cops pick up Grant Lewis from his hotel and bring him in for questioning. Hold on. Uh, I got shivers. I think I know. <laughs> uh, Grant eventually agrees to talk after trying to strike deals with the officers first. He tells detectives that it was all part of a bizarre scheme to raise money to open a nightclub. He and Alex came up with the idea to put an ad online selling themselves as hitmen. Um, in the advertisement, they carefully selected the wording. It read, quote, professional and discreet house cleaning. Um, the idea was actually s- similar to last week's episode with the Bessa Mafia, the episode that we had to remove. Um, so we know that the Bessa Mafia ended up being fake. Yeah. Um, this is, I don't know if they even saw that case and maybe had this idea, but that was basically it. They, people would send them money to kill someone, but they were never actually supposed to go through with the murder. Just collect the money and disappear. Yeah. So weirdly similar to the Bessa Mafia, but just these two guys doing it from Colorado. It's kind of um, crazy because, like, even if you accept, if you, if someone reaches out to you and be like, hey, murder this person, then give you the money and you take it, you can go to that's jail That's a charge. For yeah, yeah, for sure. For, for sure. Grant claims that Alex was supposed to go to Maryland to talk to some guy and pick up some funds for a contract killing he wanted done. He says Alex went rogue and murdered Heidi for some reason, but that Grant was not involved and did not know the reason why. Uh, ain't nobody buying this, though. Uh, back in the room, Alex, or sorry, back in the room with Alex Bennett, officers show him photos of six men to see if he could pinpoint who hired them to kill Heidi. In a shocking twist that everybody probably expected, he pointed at a photo of Stephen Cook saying, I recognize him as the boyfriend. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) Life insurance. Uh, Life insurance. Um, Alex and Grant both claim that Stephen paid them to kill Heidi and make it look like an accident. They even said Stephen left Alex a key so that he could enter the home unannounced on the day of the murder. Alex alleges a dark statement from Stephen. He claims that Stephen said, quote, you have to make it look like an accident and not a murder for the insurance policy. Stephen had allegedly promised 60000 of the 700000 he hoped to receive to, to Alex and Grant. Um... So Grant Lewis was arrested for conspiracy to commit a contract murder. Um, Alexander Bennett took a plea deal and agreed to testify against Lewis and Cook. As part of his plea deal, he was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Uh, Grant Lewis was found guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison, which shows how fucked up the justice system is. I'm not saying what like Grant is innocent, but the person who actually killed this woman got 30 years. Yeah. The guy who put the article in the newspaper got life. How does that fucking work? It doesn't. (laughs) I just, that bothered me. Um, So in the years since Heidi's murder, Stephen Cook seemed to have moved on with his life. Um, He got married, had a child, and was working for the government in veterans affairs. He did end up collecting about 20% of Heidi's insurance policy, but not the full amount due to the nature of her death. Stephen Cook was charged with first-degree murder. He claims his innocence to this day, with his biggest defense being that there was no contract to prove his contract killing. No emails, no texts, nothing to solidify his involvement uh, in the case. Uh, A lot of uh, investigators and stuff who gave interviews said that this was because, uh, at the time, that was just not something they looked for. Like, it wasn't typical to, like, look through a computer in a case. Yeah. Uh, Whereas now, that's one of the first pieces of evidence they go through. Um, It's like your main evidence now. Yeah, for sure. Um, So it was was a slip-up on the police's end. For all we know, emails and texts do exist, but they just didn't think to look for them. Yeah. Um, So because he wasn't... 
Yeah, it's nuts, right? Um, because he wasn't far enough up Shit's Creek without a paddle, uh, Stephen Cook allegedly <laughs> tried another go at murder for hire from behind bars. He allegedly Shut the asked, fuck up. "Yeah, this fucking idiot." <laughs> this guy. <laughs> he allegedly asked his cellmate to have Grant Lewis killed in his cell. Um, But the cellmate ended up ratting Stephen out to the police, which put a giant stain on this case. One year after Cook's arrest, the case went to trial. Um, Heidi's friends took the stand and alleged that the relationship was not as happy as it looked on the outside. Uh, One friend even claimed that Heidi had borrowed money from her to rent out a storage unit as she prepared to move out of this house that she shared with Stephen. Um, So Stephen Cook ended up getting life without the possibility of parole, plus another 30 years for trying to have Grant Lewis killed. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to play some devil's advocate here. Personally, I believe Stephen was involved. This is what happened. But there were some questionable comments I found while researching that I wanted to bring up, to be fair, because I am a Libra. Um, (laughs) That's the only reason. I haven't said that in a while, I feel like. (laughs) Stephen Cook's attorneys alleged that Heidi had been looking for love online when she met Alex Bennett. He traveled from Colorado to Maryland to be with her. And when she, uh, when he showed up at her door, she rejected him. So he killed her. Uh, it's totally possible. This happens every day, but then why would Grant Lewis put himself in the middle of this mess? If it was just a blind date gone bad. Um, uh, Stephen Cook's sister Kim told Crime Watch Daily that her brother had been wrongfully accused, and evidence left out at trial would have proved that. Um, so there's a website called StephenCookJr.com that his family has put together. It's still active to this day. Uh, basically, they're trying to free him from jail. I'm so these, not this to is laugh, but like it's it's a really ugly website. Oh my god, it's so bad. StephenCookJr.com. <laughs> guys, guys, I'm gonna look this up. Right it's now. really ugly. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> Isn't it ugly? <laughs> Guys, this is crazy. So yeah, his family um has started that. They're 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 trying to prove his innocence. Um so they're they're I mean, at the reasons- same time, like if like you kinda like have like like at least for me, like I feel really bad for them. Because the like family? Even if he actually did do that, like they're putting like their like a leg out. Saying yeah like he's innocent well when... you want to believe your family member right of course you do um so like i shouldn't re- I, I, i'm an asshole i shouldn't laugh at this oh no i fucking laugh too don't worry <laughs> <laughs> but like damn uh yeah so the website reads quote Stevens' case is currently in the Maryland Court of Special Appeals. There are several critical categories that his appeal is based on, which include irreconcilable evidence and motives between Grant Lewis's trial and Stevens' trial. In addition, he is arguing his Sixth Amendment rights were violated. Um, in Lewis's trial, the state's key witness, Rebecca Love, told the state that Alexander Bennett was sent by Grant Lewis to murder the female that he was in contact with that promised him money for a big job. In Stevens' trial, the state fought to suppress Rebecca Love from testifying and even using Lewis's confession to her. Um, So they're saying this Rebecca Love character would clear Stephen's name and they wouldn't let her testify in court. Um, Don't they have to, like, let them testify if they have? I literally have no idea how the the court system works. The court system, it's so messy. Yeah, I Like, I'm just trying to be devil advocate. I feel like like each courtroom just does what it wants and then they're like, boom, law. You know what I mean? I mean, true. It's very fucking true. Uh, So it continues, uh, the state illegally interrogated Stephen without his attorney present and used pieces of those illegal interviews to piece together a story to convict him. These statements were uh, also made under duress due to threats by another inmate who was wearing a wire. 
this inmate was specifically directed by the police and state's attorney to get specific information from Stephen. Uh, when these attempts were unsuccessful, the inmate used threats and force, and the police were aware of his tactics. Uh, perjured testimony by the state's attorney, lead detective, and the inmate, which they deny giving the inmate a deal or an incentive for his involvement. During Stephen's trial, the jury was not properly polled. One juror did not respond when the polling was done, which was an incomplete polling and a violation of Stephen's rights. So it sounds mostly like loopholes, like they don't have actual evidence, but fair nonetheless. It sounds like he... If they don't have enough evidence to prove that he's innocent, they're going to kind of like grip on everything they can, right? Yeah. So to me, it's more like technicalities and they may or may not get a retrial based on this i don't think it means he's innocent but i think it means that there was flaws in his trial for sure yeah yeah Um, for sure so the last thing i wanted to mention actually made me second guess my theory for a brief moment uh so i just found this was just a comment i saw on a forum uh, about the case so this comment mentions that alex and grant had 11 years to come up with this story steven's face was all over the news during this time and it would be easy for them to pick him out as the boyfriend perhaps they thought they would get less severe sentences if they made this murder for hire plot up so they knew they were screwed and they just pieced the story together hoping that steven would take the fall i think I mean, it's, a, it's that's it's a, a fair theory that is a really fair theory though because they had 11 whole years mm-hmm. to like cover their asses basically yeah but it's awful fishy with the whole life insurance Insurance. policy and you know because like you know it's always bad but then also like it could just be a huge fucking coincidence that they just happen to take life insurance out it could be yeah um so they actually asked steven about it and uh he said that he and heidi were talking about having kids and that they knew that they didn't have like a huge income so they took out a a huge life insurance policy mm-hmm. and like risked a bunch of their income so that their kids could have a future i guess but then her friends are claiming that she was trying to leave him and also you just met her yeah literally they hadn't even been together a year yet i think when she was murdered that's really weird it's it's know. a very fishy case so officially on paper all three men involved were guilty and are in jail yeah but devil's advocate as always there are other possibilities in this case (laughs) there's definitely there's so many it's a wild one i thought this one was like really i don't want to say fun i hate saying fun but i enjoyed researching it it makes (laughs) it makes you think though because like there's so many avenues you can go down that like is this guy actually innocent and they're just fucking him over or is he just like playing his cards right and he's actually i would be the worst juror ever i like wouldn't know how to make that Mm -mm. decision that's absolutely that because as soon as you started this episode and you said life insurance i was like i know this is going but See, no, that's what i liked about I this gonna, case not where it was going that's that's what i liked about life. it because i saw life insurance and i went oh the husband did or the boyfriend did it but then that whole like twist with the guy in colorado i was like hold on where the fuck did he come from yeah. like it just i really felt that he just killed her just was wandering the street one day and decided to kill her and then whew, it all came full circle fucking poor heidi one. man pat myself on the back i do <laughs> patting you on the back right now virtual pat <laughs> this was a fun episode this was. it was a long one it was a very long one but, but not you, too bad whatever you guys it's us it's, we can do whatever we want it makes up for uh being down one you get an extra long one this week yeah and i mean i did my favorite one i didn't think i was gonna do it for a while but you're welcome yay 
And then if you guys want to talk about these crazy cases, because I'm going to talk about Holly's case for the rest of my life, because <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you do this to me every freaking week, and it's not fair. I, I'm trying to at this point, to be Thank honest. You. I appreciate it. <laughs> I just love watching you piece together, like, what's happening in your head. You're, like, you'll be, like, looking I was like, at your you screen, see me? Like, I, I was like blankly staring like listening to you trying to like piece it all in my head yeah you see and that? then at one point you just snapped and looked right at me <laughs> and you're like oh. <laughs> i live for this this is what i live for um but yeah if you want to come talk to us and yeah. be our friend we have some social medias you guys can come hang out with us um that didn't make sense but whatever uh the instagram <laughs> is a spooky hour podcast you can find us on twitter which is super live awesome it's great now yeah it's popping yeah it's thanks spooky guys hour. spooky hour yeah it's spooky hour and then that if you have spooky. any spooky stories that you want to share or you want it on this episode and we can chit chat about it um our email is the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com and if you're talking to anyone on social media on our accounts it's definitely holly if you're <laughs> emailing in it's definitely me yeah I'm, i don't even me. check my own emails yeah. so yeah <laughs> that's how we work i'm the more back end i'm email and editing and videoing and all this fun stuff and holly's the front of our, our the, the, front, the front end the front end because she's PR. more social than i am <laughs> i just i keep telling you i just don't have a life yeah. if you guys get a, if you guys send us a message and we read it and there's no response it's probably because i accidentally opened it and i'm sorry <laughs> i think she I, usually tells me when she does it she'll be like i opened a message can you respond to yeah. it <laughs> i love sorry, how we guys. work though <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry but yeah. well, with that happy monday you guys happy monday uh, maybe we'll see you later this week you don't know yeah keep you keep your know. eyes peeled keep your ears until peeled. then stay, stay spooky, spooky y'all bye, bye.